Jobber. This is the Tbilisi podcast covering life, travel and more in the country of Georgia. Brought to you by foodfundtravel.com, expathub.ge and eatthistours.com. In this episode, we are talking about Georgian legal residency. If you want to become a resident of Georgia, we're going to tell you about the different options that you have to get that done. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Tbilisi podcast, a show about life and travel in Tbilisi and Georgia. I'm your host, Meg. I run a little blog called foodfuntravel.com. Actually, it's just called Food Fun Travel. It's not that little. There's hundreds of articles on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's been going since 2013. Yeah. 2012, actually. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. End of 2012. It's wow. So. It's like over 10 years old. Aww. And this other random voice in the room is, is Tom. You might have heard me on other podcast episodes. You never know. Uh, yeah, back again with another episode of the Tbilisi Podcast. Uh, I am representing two other companies in this, uh, in this podcast, expathub.ge and uh, eatthistours.com. And I think for today's episode, Expert Hub is uh, is definitely, it's an Expert Hub heavy episode because exactly. we're talking about residency. For once, I get to sort of sit back and uh, and learn some stuff, although I have been through, I have got my own residency, so I know a little bit about the topic. But this was actually a listener request episode. We did have it in our list of, uh, of episodes that we wanted to record, but uh, we had a couple of people request it. And so we thought, let's bump it up and get it out there. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a, it's a big topic. Yeah. Because uh, if you want to relocate anywhere, then learning about residency permits is pretty important if you want to stay long term. So, um, yeah, just to preface this episode a little bit, though, um, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, when we when we started Expat Hub a few years ago, I was sort of the main person coordinating the immigration residency department along with the lawyers. So I was sort of the manager overseer, expat manager of that department. I pretty much learned everything that was really needed to know. I helped get all the content on the website and everything else that we have out there, all the resources we have. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I'm sort of getting interviewed today, as it were, because yeah. I pretty much have all the information that you would need to, to get started with residency. And I do have to say that uh, we are recording this in August of 2022. Uh, please make sure that you check up to make sure to see if there have been any other changes to any sort of residency procedures since we released this podcast. Because if you're listening to this a year from now, who knows, things could have changed. So just uh, jump on the website, expathub.ge, and uh, we'll have all the updates there. Yeah, small things. Little, little things change all the time. Big things don't change that often, but when they do, we'll, we'll send an email out as well. So if you're on the Expert Hub uh, email list, then you'll get that. But yeah, otherwise, just check the article and then uh, the most essential updates will be on there. Uh, so, right. Residency. Specifically, we're talking about legal residency, uh, not about tax residency. People get very confused on this topic. Mm. And so this is if you legally want the right to remain in Georgia uh, more than the visa that you have when you enter. Now, for most people listening to this, but not everybody, uh, you probably are on the one-year visa-free entry regime. I think it's 95 countries. Uh, 95, are? I think they might have added 96 recently, but oh, I haven't okay. double-checked the list in the last few weeks. Uh, 95 or 96 countries currently on the list. Uh, most people who are listening to this probably will be for one of those countries, um, USA, Canada, all EU countries. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, most of Latin America, like a lot of countries are on this list, not everybody. Uh, so if you're on that list, you've probably, if you haven't arrived to Georgia already, but you will in the future, you'll probably be coming on this 365-day uh, visa-free entry. 
And so that also gives you the right to work. Very unique visa. It's like unheard of in most places. Yeah, so it's pretty unusual. And uh, one of the side effects of this, uh, which is a separate topic for another episode, though, is uh, the mix of tax residency and legal residency. People get confused because you can easily become a tax resident just by being here on the visa free. Uh, because if you're here for six months, you become a tax resident. That's just how it works. Yeah, it automatically ticks over and people... Yeah, I think you're right. People get really confused about the difference between the two and they're very different things. Yes, you can legally stay here on your entry visa for 365 days, but after you're here for six months, you are then a tax resident of this country. That's a nasty surprise if mm-hmm. you weren't expecting to be a tax resident, but there are also lots of reasons to become a tax resident because the tax here is uh, pretty low but you don't want to end up paying tax in two countries, for example. So uh, do check out some of our content on experthub.ge. And also there was a, there was a podcast about remote worker taxes uh, a few months ago. You can skim back through our episode list and find that if you want more information. I'll put, on it, that. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. To sure. Help you out. But uh, today we are talking about legal residency, the right to remain here. Um, and yes, if you're here for six months, you uh, being on a tourist visa does not exempt you from tax. Uh, so just to be very careful about that as well. Uh, right. So if you want to stay here longer than a year, now there are a couple of options for this. So a lot of people, they actually just cross the border and come back and they do that continuously and continuously and they don't get residency at all. Uh, so technically at the moment, uh, that's allowed. It's a bit weird. And I suppose you can sort of look at it and go, well, that. what if I get refused entry on the way back in? Uh, what I mean, if, that's the fear, isn't it? Like, yeah, you you're never a, really here for sure. No, yeah. If you do it like a couple of times and then you're like, what if just randomly the border patrol is like, no, nah, sorry, and all of your stuff is here, what yeah. do you do? Yeah, all your stuff's in an apartment, you did a border run, you can't get back in. Uh, there's lots of different reasons to get residency, and actually I'll go through those uh, in general as a bit more of a list later on. But in a nutshell, I mean, it gives you an actual definite right to remain. Yeah. That's the sort of, that's that's the number one. But there are a number of other useful benefits on the side as well. And during COVID, well, you know, if you were here and your visa expired, then you were here illegally. And the, the repercussions were not terrible because the government realized that people, uh, you know, weren't particularly trying to stay here. No, Some of them wanted to leave lenient. and they couldn't. So they were very lenient. But you just, you never really know. If the policy changes and you didn't get res- residency before it changes, then you might find, well, now you've only got 90 days in the country. And for people who maybe have got a long-term lease on an apartment or maybe even bought an apartment, if you haven't got legal residency and then it looks like you can't stay anymore because they change it to the 90 days in 180 days rule like the rest of the EU has. They are trying to be part of they the EU. They are trying to join so the who EU. who knows what might be introduced. So this could happen literally at any point and you might not get a lot of warning and then you go, oh, I'll apply for residency now. Oh, no, I don't qualify anymore. I uh, should have done that a year ago when the rules were more relaxed than they are. We just don't know. We just don't know. So that's... This is why you might want to consider it. Not a lot, like not everyone gets it. Uh, people live here quite contently with the risk, and they're just like, okay, well, if it happens, it happens, but probably it won't happen. It'll be fine. But for a lot of us, uh, we decided to get it because it, it makes a lot of sense for us. Yep. All right. So let's do a little bit of a quick fire round. Uh, some of the main questions that people have that they yeah. we regularly get asked about residency and whatnot. So uh, let's jump into. So we just said. Uh, Okay, let's start with how easy is it to get Georgian residency? Well, pretty easy. Uh, For anyone who's tried to go through a residency process in other countries, I went through one in Australia. Oh, my goodness. That was a very, very long haul. 
Oh, we had to have so much evidence. We had to have a a year's proof that we'd lived in the same apartment. Ticket stubs to go to the movies and stuff. Just general proof that we're actually in a real relationship. Uh, And yeah, so it took us a year to amass evidence to prove that we were in an actual relationship in Australia. And then a few months for the initial. And then they um, charged us like four and a half K too. Yeah. So it was like four and a half thousand dollars for residency there. So pretty expensive and uh, pretty long winded. And I'm sure anyone who's been through a residency process in another country is quite aware that most countries it's pretty hard. Well, here it's not actually that difficult as long as you come under one of the qualifications uh, that meets the residency requirements. And we'll talk about exactly what those are throughout this episode. But um, yeah, it's actually a process that you can normally get done within about 10 to 40 days. The actual majority of that is waiting on the application to process and you can pay different fees to get faster or slower processes. I like that they do that. Yeah. So you can get it done in 10 days. But of course, I mean, you've got to get your application together. There's a number of documents that you need to collect. You need to cross I's, dot T's and make sure you're doing it right. Uh, but that's that's pretty much it. So if you turn up here and you qualify then you can get it done in as little as uh, sort of 10, 12 days. But some of, some of the things you do actually have to take a bit of time to qualify for, like the work residence permit, you need to have earned some money whilst living here before you can qualify for it in some cases. Or if a business sponsors you to come here as an employee, then they can sponsor you immediately the second you arrive. So it depends. Anyway, yeah, so it's relatively easy. That's the good news. All right, so let's talk about what some of the different types of residency options are. Because you just mentioned, like, if you come here as an employee, but if you come here as, like, a freelancer, two very different things. So the main types of residency that you have, let's talk about the work residence one first. This is the one that we process most at Expat Hub. Because, of course, as a business services firm, that's, uh, that's what we get. A lot mm-hmm. of business owners are coming through us. So essentially what you need to do for this, in a nutshell, uh, is have a business in Georgia or be employed by a business in Georgia and then use the information from that business of your finances that proves that that business has enough money to sponsor you. And we'll talk about every detail of these uh, types later on. This is just a quick summary. But if you have a business here or you're going to be employed by a business here, then you have an opportunity to qualify and uh, that's that's the headline. Okay. What else is there? Uh, residency via purchase of property. So if you buy real estate here, then uh, if you've bought real estate that is market value over one hundred thousand US dollars, then you automatically are able to apply for residency through that, and for your uh, your spouse and children as well. Yeah, we will specify that a year ago that this number changed. So it's a little more than that is, uh, I think it was about two and a half years ago now. Yeah. Oh, is it that long? It, yeah. COVID you have is. a baby in COVID, COVID and you yeah, forget yes. how long it's been. Uh, yeah. So if you're reading old articles on this, it very have, old articles now. Yeah. You really need the, the prices have changed. So you it's a hundred thousand US dollars. Yep. Uh, let's keep it at that. Yep. All right. What other ones are there? There's student residency permits. So if you are studying at an accredited institution and it has to be an accredited institution, you can't just go, oh, well, I'm going to get some Georgian lessons from uh, some guy down the street who has a, a little shop front. Yeah. That, that's not an accredited institution. Yeah, you got to be like Ilya State University or yeah, something. For yeah, for university or for kids if you're at um, one of the actual schools, official schools here. Yep. Uh, then you can get student. Uh, and, and that's relatively easy to get. As long as you are studying, you really are studying and the institution provides evidence of that, and you have proof of sufficient funds, which we'll talk about later, then you can get the student permit. All right. What about the family ones? So if you have family members here that are either residents or citizens, then they can sponsor you directly uh, to stay as their spouse or child or parent or whatever. Also, just to specify, uh, you don't get residency or citizenship by birth here. Uh, We'll go into that a little bit more when we actually talk about like having a baby 
and stuff like that in Georgia. But a lot of people, for some reason, even Georgians, assume that you still get citizenship by birth here, and that is not the case. Nope, absolutely not. You will have to go apply for your passport from your home country for your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with family reunification, though, it's it's pretty straightforward. If you have that tie, if you have evidence that you have that tie, such as marriage certificates, birth certificates, etc., and you have sufficient funds, which are not that massive, I said we'll talk about that later, then you can apply for family. And then, of course, investment, because they like people investing in Georgia. If you're able to invest more than 300,000 US dollars, not just in real estate, but in uh, there's multiple options. It's pretty complex, actually. Do you have to fit into a certain category? Category of what? Like, if you just invest in 300000 in something, will that be acceptable? Or is it like it's got to fit into these particular categories? There is incredibly detailed, complex rules about what qualifies and what does not qualify. And there is that would be an entire episode in itself. Yeah. What we're saying is if you are planning to invest uh, in Georgia and you can meet the criteria, uh, then, then grab one of our uh, residency experts and have a call with them from the website, you can book a call because it is not something that I would ever want to even go into detail on a podcast on because it's so tricky. If I give one piece of wrong information there, people are going to start thinking they can do something that they can't. Yeah. Uh, So it it is very complicated and you need, we need to speak to you in person and make sure that uh, we, we check your actual situation. But what I'm saying is uh, the main reason that you might want this residency, as opposed to just buying a hundred thousand dollars in real estate. Well, A, maybe you didn't want to buy real estate. Maybe you had money and you wanted to buy Uh, some other investment, you wanted to invest in business here or something else. Um, But with this type of residency, you get permanent residency within five years. Whereas with uh, the standard one with $100,000 real estate, it's 10 years before you can apply for permanent residency. Plus you have to apply for the permanent residency. Whereas with the five-year one, it's pretty much guaranteed that you will be switched to permanent residency as long as you maintained the investment for the Mm. five years. Because they like the money. Yeah. All right. So they're the top five uh, residency categories. So how long do they last? How long does your residency last? Yeah. So with most of them, it depends on what actually happens with the processing of your application. It is very, very haphazard with some of them. Uh, So you should expect for your first application to get anything between six months to 11 years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is how useful it is. There, there is no rules in the legislation that dictate which of those numbers you should get. It is some sort of closely guarded secret from the SDA who process these applications. So we have a lot of stats because we've processed a lot of applications at Expert Hub, uh, but we still don't know what the rules are. And I don't even know if the people in the office at the SDA know what the rules are because they seem to be making it up. Depends what mood they're in on that day. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It seems to come down to certain countries to some extent seem to get longer than others. Um, And also it comes down to how much sufficient funds you have. That seems to have been a factor. If you have a lot of sufficient funds, they're more likely to give you a longer period. Uh, Actually, one of the things that is important here, uh, if you have sufficient funds that is less than one year's worth of sufficient funds, which is totally fine. You can apply with one year's worth of sufficient funds in your bank. But if you do have less than one year, that's normally one of the reasons why you won't get uh, you won't get a full year and you definitely won't get more than a year. Uh, so that can be what it is. So if you've got a lot of money in your bank account, the chance of getting uh, three years, five years, 10 years is significantly higher in our experience. As I said, we don't have there's no rules written down about this. Uh, just just that if you don't have enough sufficient funds that your application will only go as far as your funds last. Uh, we sort of touched on it a little bit before, but, uh, you know, a regular question is, do I actually need Georgian residency? 
Yeah. So this is it. Uh, this is what we sort of started with. Uh, you don't necessarily need it to be here, but what I consider the main reason to get it is if you actually plan to make ties to Georgia. So if you're here as a digital nomad, you're going to be here for, well, you're here for a year, but oh, I'm going to do like an extra couple of months because I, I really liked it. I'll just cross the border and come back for a few more months. Yeah, don't bother getting residency. There's probably no point. I mean, things could change, but then if you're a digital nomad, you can just leave and go somewhere else. So it's not the end of the world. But yeah, if you're making significant ties here, if you're taking on like two-year lease, five-year lease with an apartment, if you're, you're starting a business here, um, you do not want the rules to change halfway through and for you to go, oh, I just, I've got premises here. I opened a, you know, I opened a bagel shop or whatever you like. Uh, and now I can't run that business because I'm going to be here illegally. And when I leave, I can only come back for 90 days out of 180 days. And I won't be able to, this business, the business won't function. I put all this time and effort into something that will now not function. Or of course, yeah. If so you, I think, yeah, basically you'll know in your gut whether or not yeah. you really should. Yeah. So it is down to you to sort of decide, am I staying here? Am I actually connected to this country? And if you are, there's a lot of other reasons to be here. Okay. So then what about the difference between citizenship and permanent residency? Yeah. Uh, citizenship, of course, would be getting a passport. And uh, for a passport, we're not going to talk about that today. Most people are not going to get it. Uh, the reason being at the moment is because you have to give up your other passport in order to get the Georgian passport. Don't you also have to pass a Georgian language test? You would have to pass a Georgian language test. There's a number of other things that you have to qualify for. Um, and you to drink three litres of wine be yeah. before you take your test. <laughs> yeah, and made your own cha-cha. If you've never made your own cha-cha, yeah. you're not a real Georgian. Can you make cha-cha? No. No. Okay. Yeah, you fail. No passport for you. Yeah. Uh, there are some ways to get the passport and continue with dual citizenship, but it's actually relatively hard uh, compared to just uh, switching out your old passport. But of course, yeah, most people don't want to do that unless your old passport is one that's significantly worse than a Georgian passport. So, yeah, we won't talk about that. Permanent residency, though, means that once you've been through the temporary residency stages, then they can't take your residency away from you currently under the law. Whereas temporary residency could be invalidated at any point. All right. It's not that, like, don't get freaking out. It's not just going to be invalidated for fun. Then it's going to turn around one day and go, all right, all foreigners leave. I mean, who knows? The world can change. But that's not, that's not what I mean by that. Yeah. What I mean is that uh, you can get to your end of your first year and then reapply for your second year and they just go, nah, for some reason. Or you just don't qualify for some reason. Once you've got permanent residency, you don't have to keep going back and reapplying for extra years because you, you live here. Yeah. You're a resident. That's it. Nice. All right. Well, that was the quick fire round. So let's jump into things and talk a little bit more in depth about uh, each of the, the different options about you know, what you have with uh, being a resident in Georgia. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the first type. I said the main type that we process the most of, uh, the work residence permit. So you must have uh, a few, few options here. You must have either an employment contract with at least six months remaining or an indefinite employment contract. So essentially, you could either be employed by a Georgian company, and it has to be a Georgian registered company, of course. You can be employed one or you can own the company yourself. On top of that, you must have proof of sufficient funds, which currently is uh, sufficient funds is considered to be five times the subsistence income of Georgia, which does change all the time. It increases slightly all the time. And currently, that is actually not a massive amount. It's uh, about 1,300 Georgian lari, so somewhere in the range of five, just under 500 US dollars uh, per month, per month that you will stay here. So if you are planning to stay here for a year, then 500 times 12, so about 6,000 US dollars in a bank account. Uh, yeah, if you have less than that, 
then there is the possibility, as we mentioned before, that you will only get the number of months based on the sufficient funds that you have. However, this is one option. Uh, the other option that you have is that you have your employment contract show that you are earning uh, more than that every month. So basically, it's just proof that every month you will have enough money to live. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's important. Uh, if you are, well, the company that is sponsoring you, whether it be your own company or someone else's company, needs to show that within the last 12 months, that company has generated at least 50,000 Georgian Lari per person in that company who is a foreigner. So essentially, if you are um, a business that has, let's say, three directors of your company and all three of you are foreigners, then your company will have had to have produced a turnover of 150,000 gel, 50,000 per director. Uh, if you're a company that has one foreign director, but 12 foreign employees, or let's say 10 to make my maths easier, then for those 10 foreign employees, <laughs> you would need uh, 500,000 gel plus yourself, 550,000 gel uh, in order to sponsor them. Uh, if you are being sponsored by a medical or uh, educational institution who is your employer, that rate drops from 50,000 per employee to 35,000. And just uh, in case there's any confusion here, we're not saying that someone has to pay this money to anybody. We're just saying your company has to show that it has created this revenue through business activity during that last 12 months. Uh, a little bit complicated, uh, maybe, in some sense, to say it out loud. Looking at the article might make it a little bit clearer. Yeah. But essentially, uh, let's just say for simple cases, if you are a individual entrepreneur working for yourself as a freelancer and your Georgian business was opened here, as soon as you have hit 50,000 Georgian Lari in turnover, which is about 16,000, 17,000 US dollars, once you've hit that in any 12-month period, you can instantly just walk straight to the public service hall uh, and do the application. Uh, well, with a number of other documents and things that you need to check first. But I mean, you will qualify at that point as long as you qualify based on all of the other rules as well. So yeah, those are the options. So some sort of proof of income or funds in a bank account uh, and proof that the business has enough money and um, proof that you are a part of that business, either employed or an owner. And on top of that, and to avoid us going into a situation where this podcast becomes incredibly dull, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to list out all of the documents that you need, but I'm just saying things like we passports. We literally have an article all about this. So yeah. We're just giving you the highlights. If you really want the in-depth information, I'll leave the link in the show notes, and then you can go and check out everything that you need if this is something that you're really serious about applying for. Yeah, or just book an appointment with us um, yeah. at Expat Hub. I mean, it's something that you just really don't want to mess up. It's just, you know, if you if you have someone help you with every step of the way, then it just makes it so much easier. You can jump into a lot of the expat groups and people are like, yeah, you can do it yourself. Just go down to the public service hall and it'll be fine, which is true. You can totally do that. But if you're a no mess around person and you just want to get it right first time around, I just personally prefer to hire someone to help me with this sort of stuff because I hate this sort of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, up to you. People have done it solo. Uh, let's talk about the next type of residency, the $100,000 investment. This one is probably, I would say, the most straightforward because pretty much if your name is on the title of the property and the property is valued at over $100,000, you just need evidence of those things. You need to collect that evidence and then that will form the basis of your application. A lot of people go for this one. 
Yeah, well, I mean, if you've actually bought real estate here, why bother with with any of the others? This is uh, the most simple one because it's very clear cut. Like, you don't have to try and get your accountant to prove stuff. I mean, that's another thing with the uh, the work residence permit. You know, your your accountant has to sign off that the income is genuine and, and things like this. So, yeah, with this, uh, that makes life significantly more straightforward. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, and then your family members can also get residency off that. Whereas the work residence permit, your family members will be able to apply for residency based off your uh, successful application once it's been done. So it's a longer process because you have to complete your work residence permit. And then once that's done, then you can take those documents back with your family members and they can apply for a family reunification. Uh, so, yeah, it does make it a bit simpler. At the 100K residency, though, unlike the others, this one is a bit of a special case. This one renews every year. They check your documents every year and you have to reapply and pay again every year. Whereas work residence permit, as we said, it's totally random. You could get six months, you could get 11 years. So, yeah. you know, um, that's one other thing. Oh, okay. So the the 100,000 like property investment one, will only you will only ever get one year. Currently, it's a year, uh, annual renewal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the others, uh, and, and even with work residence permit, you could get your first year uh, for one year. And then the second time you apply, they'll give you 10. And that adds up to 11. And that's it. And then you never have to apply for that again until you do permanent residency after 10 years. Yeah. So that's sort of, um, yeah, that can work out more convenient um, than having to go and reapply every year. But then the application itself for the property one is very straightforward. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So that's one reason to do the property one instead. I mean, if you have options and you can do either, then you've got to weigh these options up. And speak to a professional about it and see what you think. Um, we mentioned before the 300k residency. Uh, as we said, it's way, 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 way too complicated for me to go into great depth on this, and because it could be very misleading. But yeah, essentially the the most important part of this is that you can apply. Uh, you get your uh, you get your temporary residency for five years. Uh, you do have to go in, uh, you might have to go in, you don't necessarily have to go in every year to to reprove your investment, but you might have to go in, it depends. Uh, and then after five years, you qualify for permanent residency straight away. Yeah. So you're saving yourself five years of messing around uh, to get permanent residency. And then of course, you can do whatever you want. I mean, to be fair, you can do whatever you want anyway. If you if you get legal residency and then leave the country for five years and then come back and uh, and do something else, uh, you still have legal residency if if that's what your card says you have. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have a qualification to be in the country for a certain amount of days every year for this residency to hold. Once you have the residency card, you have the residency card. Yeah. But basically, with this one, it is. A little bit complicated in places. So if it is something that you're interested in, please just book a consultation so your particular case can be discussed. It's not just a little bit complicated. It's incredibly, it's very, very complicated. <laughs> you are saving five years of your time uh, to the road to a permanent residency. So that is why it's significantly more complicated. For that benefit, they want to see that your investment is genuinely making a difference. So there are certain financial reporting uh, requirements in different years that will prove that your investment is actually working. So if you're investing in business, you'll be showing that the business is actually making certain levels of profit. Because if you just put the money in a business and it all got witted away and it's gone and there's no benefit to Georgia anymore, you're not going to get your permanent residency necessarily. Yeah, It's very complicated. Uh, and every single case is very different. Uh, family reunification. Now, this one, of course, the, the main, most important part is uh, the evidence that you, your family member is your family member. So uh, real proof. And the thing where people trip up with this a lot, and this is one of our major headaches we're trying to help people, uh, is they don't get a fully apostilled document 
that proves the relationship. Ah, so they just get like a notarized document or a translated document. Yeah. Yeah. Or an original document. So someone turns up with an original marriage certificate, let's say in Spanish, and they come in with that and they go, well, this is my original. Why would I need anything else? I'll just go to the notary and get it notarized into Georgian. And there we go. We're done. And then it gets rejected. Always, always gets rejected. I've never seen these be accepted ever. Uh, The reason being that a notary what they do is they authenticate that the translation is a genuine representation of what they have translated. They cannot ever, a Georgian notary cannot confirm that a foreign legal document is an original, non-forged foreign legal document. They cannot do it. So all they can say is that, yes, we've translated it and the translation is correct, but this could be a fake document that you made up. We don't know what this document is. So it has to be apostilled in the country where it was created country where it came from. And this process can be pretty complicated. You might have to send that document away to the country. It might take weeks. Uh, or in some countries, it's a little bit more straightforward than that. You can just order stuff online that's apostled. Uh, in some cases, you can also get things legalized in an embassy. Depends on your embassy. I think the US embassy here can uh, legalize some documents and they've got some special uh, agreements with the Georgian government to accept those documents specifically if legalized by the US embassy. But once again, uh, the world is a big place. I don't even have an embassy. Yeah, there's no Australian embassy here and no Australian consulate here. So it is a very big world. Uh, Every country has different rules on a postal and Georgia has different sort of regulations on which documents they accept and don't. So what I'm saying is if you are planning or have any interest in coming to Georgia uh, and living in Georgia, get this done before you come here. Get this done at home because otherwise you're probably going to spend weeks or even months getting this done. And in some countries, it's so unbelievably annoying to get it done. I think South Africa has been a a real difficult one for us. Uh, It takes so long to get it done if you've left the country that, you know, some people just fly back to the country to get it done. Uh, Not saying there aren't other options, but it's just frustrating. So definitely make sure you have that. This proof of relationship has to be very clear and properly uh, legalized or apostled. Uh, The second most important thing, of course, is that the person who is sponsoring you is actually a resident or citizen of Georgia. Mm -hmm. That's the the other big one. Do you come up with that a lot? That people are like, yeah, you know, I've lived here long enough. I'll just sponsor you as my family member. And you're like, no, you're you're not legal either. No, I think uh, it's not just that. But also, uh, I mean, we have some controversially difficult cases such as... um, the family member is married to the other family member as a spouse... Uh, but it's a same-sex marriage and it's not recognized in Georgia. Uh, so they yeah. assume because they're married that the marriage certificate will be sufficient. Because it's legal in their country. Because it's, it's legal in their legal country. Here. But because it's not currently legal here, although that might change. Oh, yeah, we can have been hope. trying to make that uh, change. Uh, it means that, yeah, okay, that's actually not going to be possible. Um, so, well, in that case, that's a different case from someone just not being or not being a, a natural resident or citizen. Yeah. But I guess actually the main point here is maybe not that people don't realize that they're not a resident or citizen, because I think most people do. Uh, <laughs> but people don't realize that a temporary resident can sponsor uh, spouse, children, etc. So, as I said before, with the work residence permit, you literally can go in, get that, be approved. And before you even get your ID card, your spouse you can, can apply. Bring family over. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So that's that's really convenient. Uh, and with this one, you also need sufficient funds. And the, the catch here, not a catch, but um, just a thing to be fully aware of, is that those sufficient funds need to be in the 
applicant's bank account, not in the sponsor's bank account. Ah, the person so... who wants the residency card, that is the person who has to have the money. Yeah. So if, uh, yeah, it, I mean, in some cases, the spouse uh, who has a residency already might be the one who is uh, working and, and has all of the money in their account. And then the partner doesn't have uh, much money in their bank account and that money needs to be in their account. You can literally transfer the money over. Yeah, they're, they're not going to backdate it or anything. They, yeah. They're just like, cool, it's there, great. We know in a lot of countries, uh, England was always a good case for years. I'm not sure how, well, I know it's still difficult now. But um, yeah, there were situations where people just transferred money to their spouse's accounts so they could apply for things. And then the government looks at it and goes, this money came in here two months ago, no, denied. Whereas here, they don't currently look at that. Yeah. They just want to know that you have the money to live and, and that's it. So, yeah, there's no problem with transferring that over a few weeks before and then just uh, getting your bank to submit, uh, collecting a document from your bank that says what your balance is. You don't need to show them your uh, your transaction history. You just need to show them your balance with a signed yeah, stamp statement. Yeah, it's very statement. easy to go into a bank here and get that printed out. Or or even, I think, even if it, you're doing it with your own bank at home, I think it's it's quite easy to get that document. Yeah, yeah, you just go in and ask for it. Yep. And it's like 10 gel or 20 gel, something like that. Let's go and pick that up. Uh, yeah, as I said, there's, all, there's lots of little minor things like getting passport photos sorted out and oh, stuff like that. Oh, that's a question. Does it does it have to be in a Georgian bank account for the application it, or, or can it be in your like wise bank account? It absolutely is supposed to be in a Georgian bank account okay. and it is supposed to be in Georgian Lari, not USD. Uh, as far as I'm aware, we have had a few successful applications with USD. Uh, I believe it is possible to show its equivalent and it's in the Georgian bank account in USD, but it does, need to, it does need to be in a Georgian bank account. However, I highly recommend converting the money into gel because I could give you absolutely no guarantee that this will definitely work. Yep. Uh, as we said, the way it's a little wild west in the SDA, they just make decisions. If they see everything else checks out and they're like, oh, and the sufficient fund, oh, they've got like a hundred thousand US dollars in the account. Okay. We're not going to bother holding up the application and going back to them for more details just for them to transfer $5,000 out of that account into the the gel account. Yeah. Like, this is the sort of thing I'm talking about. Yeah, it's more likely if you have an international uh, document that you hand in with your bank details and you've got the bare, like, you've just barely hit the actual amount that you need to apply, then they might yeah. look into it. Or if it's in a foreign bank account, forget about it. Yeah. I mean, if they did approve that, that would be incredibly unlikely. I've never heard of that happening. Um, anyway, I mean, our our basis has always been you should put it into gel. Yeah. I'm talking about cases where people didn't use our service and they got approved. I'm not talking about what we do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like we're, we're telling everybody you should follow the law so that this works. I mean, that's the whole point of hiring a lawyer to do this rather than trying to guess also, it for yourself. if you're applying for residency, why don't you have a Georgian bank account? Off you go. Go get a Georgian bank account. You should have one. Some people don't. I mean, a lot of people who have businesses here, they just use their foreign bank account for all their transactions and they just didn't bother opening a Georgian bank account. Really? I know How quite a few they? people. Ah. And you go to get residency and they want sufficient funds and you're like, uh -oh. oh, okay, better go open a bank account. Luckily, it's easy to open a bank account. Very. So there you go. Uh, the study one, we actually pretty much covered all of the most important parts of the study uh, permit. Uh, getting the proper certified piece of paper from uh, an accredited institution is essential and sufficient funds in your bank account. Uh, the sufficient funds for family reunification and for students is less than it is for workers. Uh, so actually, at the moment, it's 500 Georgian lari per month that you will stay here. So for the year, that would be 6,000 lari, which is about $3,500 currently on the exchange rate because the exchange rate's uh, gone down a lot recently. It's a little crazy at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a little bit easier, a little bit less money necessary there. 
Uh, and obviously, if you're sponsoring a child, then the sufficient funds would be in the parent's bank account. They don't expect children to have Georgian bank accounts. So no massive issue there. Um, but yeah, if your uh, your child is someone who's staying here through family unit reunification, I mean, uh, and as a student, if they're a minor. So those, those two cases, you can use the parent's bank account or the guardian's bank account. Cool. There's a couple of other ones, but they're really fringe cases uh, like refugee status, um, oh, uh, yeah. human trafficking. Uh, yeah, people who used to be former citizens of Georgia but aren't anymore and just come back and go, like, can I live here now? Okay, you this definitely sort of need to get specialised help for those cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we don't normally deal with those. I mean, we'll help you or, or try and help you if we can, but it, it's not something that we do on an everyday basis. Yeah. Um, one other thing with the family reunification I forgot to mention is if your partner is actually a citizen of Georgia, then you can be fast-tracked to permanent residency immediately. Oh. You don't have to do temporary residency for 10 years. So, yeah, if you're actually uh, married or a child of, dependent of a citizen of Georgia, then you can just apply for permanent residency on your first application. And, of course, if you, you pass all the general uh, qualifications that you need to pass, then you'll get permanent residency. Bada bing, bada boom. Yep. So a few other things to talk about. Uh, there's some exceptions to people who qualify. So previously we talked about uh, the importance uh, if you're in one of those 95 countries that gets visa-free entry anyway, those are the countries that uh, find it significantly easier to apply for residency. Pretty much if you turn up on that visa-free entry and then want to apply at any point in that year. Uh, you do have to apply for most of the uh, residence permits. You have to apply at least 40 days before your visa stamp, your, your visa-free stamp expires in your passport. Uh, there are some exceptions, but in general, that's the case. But if you're not from one of those countries, then the rules were tightened up significantly uh, in May 2021. Uh, once again, I've got sort of a more detailed summary of these rules on our website. But just as a general note for those people who can't apply in the usual way, uh, the main things that you need to know are you can't just turn up on a tourist visa. Uh, for people who don't get the visa-free entry, there's a tourist visa. It's like 30 days, a C1 visa. You can't turn up on that visa and then apply for residency. It's simply not, not possible. Mm -hmm. You can't turn up on uh, one of the visa entries that a lot of people use, uh, which is the one where you get 90 days out of 180 days if you are a permanent resident of certain countries. Uh, those countries, are, it's a relatively long list. Uh, there is a list on our website, um, but it's places like uh, United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, uh, a few other countries here where, you know, you might be a permanent resident of those countries, you've got a residence card and then you come to Georgia, uh, you can't then apply for residency in Georgia off the back of that. But you can enter Georgia for 90 days out of 180 days, just uh, even if your passport is from a country that's not uh, on the list. Um, that residence card is enough for you to get 90 days uh, entry. Okay. But yeah, you cannot apply for residency based off that entry. Yeah. Um, you can no longer apply for residency if you're on an emergency visa extension. This stuff doesn't come up very much. It, during COVID, this came up all the time. Yeah, it was a big Because cool. everyone needed these emergency visa extensions or a lot of people took them. Uh, it doesn't come up anymore. So what you need to do if you do want to uh, apply for residence here and you're not from one of the 95 countries... What you need to do is apply for a full visa in advance. This would normally be something along the lines of a D visa. The D class visas are things like you already have a family member here and you want to enter, so you get a D4. Um, maybe you've been offered a job here, so you get a D1 um, by proving that you've been offered a job and that employer is sponsoring you, and then you get a D1 visa to, do, to arrive. And then once you're on that visa, 
and entered on that visa, then you can apply for residency off the basis of the job. If you're a student, it's a D2 visa. And if you have purchased property here uh, in excess of $100,000, it's a D5 visa that allows you to enter. And so as long as you've done that full visa application process and then you come here uh, on that basis, then you will be able to legally apply for legal residency if you're on those visas. Any other type of entry, uh, you're not necessarily going to be able to apply anymore. The rules changed. Uh, one thing really important to note, though, if you are not on that list of 95 countries, and even if you are, and I'm going to make some pretty specific statements on this, uh, if you're not on that list, then your chances of getting legal residency, no matter if you qualify, are significantly lower. Uh, not, not impossible at all. We've had plenty of people actually manage to get this done, but it is not actually something that is significantly likely. Uh, there are a lot of different reasons why applications get rejected if you're not on those, uh, if you're not on that list. But the main one is Article 18. This is a very exciting piece of legal uh, uh, legal paragraph uh, in a, one of the uh, legislation documents for uh, the entry of legal aliens. And essentially, it says that if uh, there is any possibility that you could be connected with something that is of national security risk to Georgia. Your application can be refused without reason, without explanation, without evidence. So it's, a, it's a bit of a wild card that they're pulling out. It's a Georgia decided that they don't want to approve your application. And if they use Article 18, they don't have to. Yeah. They literally don't have to. They don't have to prove anything. They don't have to tell you why it didn't get approved. Um, the, I mean, the implication of what they're saying is that either you're involved in something illegal or that your country is a high risk for terrorism or some other reason. So what we've seen in recent months is that Russian and Belarusian citizens are now getting refused on the basis of Article 18, which was not happening prior to the Ukraine war. Mm -hmm. So because of that, um, not all though, we've had, we've had uh, Russian citizens be approved. I'm sure it depends how much you have in your bank account. Uh, it probably depends on a lot of things, and I'm not sure it just depends on bank accounts at all. Uh, we don't know what it depends on because it's very new. This has only been the last few months. But what we do know is that it is happening. So there is absolutely no guarantee if you're a Russian or Belarusian passport holder. In the past, you had a very strong chance of getting approved. And now it's more like a 50-50. So yeah, you can go ahead and apply, but we definitely couldn't guarantee that it's going to work. And you, the rejections are on the basis of Article 18. So and we also, it takes yeah. it all the way back to the beginning, what we said in the beginning. And it depends when you go in and who you get on that day and what mood they're in. So it can be part of that as well. Yeah, well, it's not even that. The person you get on the day can be a bit annoying, but the person no, in the, the back office... the scenes. The person in the back office who reviews the application that's normally the one that goes, no, nah, no, nah, don't like I'm it. very charming in person. I tell you, I'm very charming. And I've gone in there and I've absolutely won over the person that I've had the interview with and then it's been, like, declined because it's some miserable back-end worker who's had a bad day. Oh, well, your residency got approved, obviously. I am a resident. So, so there no. wasn't, wasn't any issues on uh, this end. In no, other countries, no, no, we're no, talking no. about other countries here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's sort of the main stuff at the moment. Um, I want to do a very quick fire round for people who are still not 100% sure on why maybe having a residence permit is something they should do. Yep. Some of the benefits. Uh, as we said, right to remain just means you don't have to cross the border. You don't have to worry about stuff. You live here. Um, as we said before, visa runs may not last forever. 90 days in 180 days is EU standard. And as we're applying as a country to be in the EU, there will be that expectation that that visa rule will have to come in uh, almost might, certainly. Yeah, they might do it early to be just in line yeah. with the EU standards. Well, they will probably do it before the EU uh, fully approves any application. Yep. I mean, it could take years for them to join the EU. We actually don't know. 
But if that happens, then it could be too late for you to apply. Um, yeah, it's the first step to permanent residency. So let's say you spend five years here on a visa and then you go, well, actually, I want to live here in Georgia. Uh, okay, well, I'll start the process from today. Oh, it's going to take another 10 years. Yeah. Whereas if you did it from the first year because you're like, I'm pretty, I, I mean, maybe I'm not 100% sure I'm going to live in Georgia forever, but I'm pretty confident I'm, I'm going to live here for a long time then get started. Get started on the process. Uh, convenience with public and private services as well. Uh, online government access for certain services is massively simplified and there's a whole lot more options for things uh, if you have a Georgian ID card. Absolutely. Very convenient. Um, better treatment at banks and such, uh, utility companies and things. It's just easier. It just as easier, easier because, you know, they have all your details there. And when you hand over your Georgian ID card, you see like the relief wash over the person's face because they're like, cool. I've got all your information. Yeah, much easier than processing a, processing a foreign passport, which they can't do. Yeah. Uh, really, really big one. Not everyone thinks about this, but uh, you need to show that Georgia is your legal home. And having residency uh, and or also buying real estate here and showing that you live in it are two of the things that a lot of our clients show the authorities back in their home countries so that they can get out of paying taxes in their home countries. Places like Australia, South Africa... Um, and USA and things like this, uh, the proof that you actually live somewhere else is something that could be required. So if you're trying to opt out of double taxation, yeah, it's a good yeah, option. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, with Italy, for example, uh, if you don't have a contract proving that you live here, like rental contracts and things like that, if you can't prove that you actually live in Georgia, they'll just keep taxing you. Like they don't necessarily even care about the piece of paper that says you're a tax resident of Georgia. Uh, so, so I've been told. I'm not an Italian tax expert. I've just got Italian friends who've told me about this. Yeah. So this is actually super important. This can be one of the main reasons why uh, a lot of people want to deal and with this. And that's a big thing. People are always asking about double taxation. No one wants to be taxed twice. You don't even want to be taxed once. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's actually like it's mandatory for certain types of things to have a Georgian ID card. So one of the examples from one of our clients was they wanted to apply for their UK uh, visa to go and visit the UK and they're from a country that's not Georgia and you can't apply for a, a visa to visit the UK unless you're in your home country or at least in their case they could not. Oh yeah. So either they had to fly back to their home country to apply or they needed to be a resident of Georgia so that they could apply in Georgia. Yeah. And so they couldn't. They basically couldn't unless they got residency they that. couldn't do it. Oh visas are the worst. Yeah, and unexpected benefits uh, about stuff like COVID. We just we had no idea at the time uh, that we were going to be in a situation where we'd all be in breach of our um, entry rules because we were overstaying because of COVID. And as you said, the government were very lenient here, much more lenient than a lot of other countries. They were. But uh, we got residency pretty much straight away the we second We also got access happened. to vaccines. Yeah, yeah. We were able to get vaccinated here significantly earlier than foreigners because we were residents. Yep. Made a yeah big difference. So just, yeah, just things that you don't expect. Stuff happens, you don't expect, and you go, well, I got a residence card. That's lucky. Yeah. All right, so that's that's pretty much it. Uh, last thing, in case we didn't mention it earlier, I think maybe we did. Uh, if you want to make a residency application, you can go to the public service hall. There's one in every major city. The one in Tbilisi is quite famous because it looks like a mushroom. It is, yeah. I think actually a lot of the public service halls around Georgia are some sort of like interesting architectural design. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, uh, yeah, if you need help with your application, uh, you want us to get it done for you so you don't have to mess around and figure everything out for yourself, just pop onto expathub.ge and book a free consultation with one of our residency experts and they will 
check that you qualify and make sure that you can actually do the application and they get everything done for you. Because there's a whole bunch of things uh, that can go wrong with these. I mean, as we said, it's one of the nicer countries and one of the least bureaucratically annoying countries to get residency. But uh, there are multiple reasons why your application can fail all the way from that sort of Article 18 issue, but all the way through to very simple things like uh, your your name translation of your name doesn't quite match on every document because you had different people translate them. Uh, we're here to make sure that that sort of stuff doesn't happen because our people are going to check that and our people are all very bilingual and, and very good at checking those sorts of things. All right. So yeah, head to experthub.ge if you want help with that. Uh, if you want to check out this article, just put uh, residency expathub.ge into Google. You're going to find it. Uh, we're always the top hit for this, for residency. I think if you just put residency Georgia in, I'm pretty sure we're the top hit for this. Yeah. So pretty straightforward. Yeah. So there we go. That's our residency podcast. It is a lot of information that we just threw at you. So please do go and read through the article slowly. And then if you do have any additional questions, just uh, hit up the team at expathub.ge and they can answer any additional questions that you might have about the process. All right. Cheers, everyone. We'll see you in another episode or you'll hear us. I don't even know why I keep saying that. I literally have not seen any of you in an episode. We record this in a podcast studio. <laughs> None of you are here. every single one of you. Oh, yeah, like, just close my people. eyes and imagine our listeners exactly. enjoying the sounds of our voices. Leaving five-star reviews. Oh, no, that would be good. That's what I imagine when I yeah. close my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah just hundreds of five-star reviews <laughs> flying in front of my face. Exactly. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, see you next time once again. Maybe not, because I can't see you. Thanks for listening to the Tivolisi Podcast. Connect with us at foodfundtravel.com slash Podcast, where you can find all relevant social media links, join our email newsletter, and discover more about travel, tours, and expat services in Georgia. This show was brought to you by foodfundtravel.com, expathub.ge, and eatthistours.com.